you at the wrong time then you caught me on that one night girl i wanna know how this thing get out of my controls zip line into your timeline hey that body don't lie i didn't care for the hype yeah but when i saw you tonight ooh, girl you know just what you do and i'll go a thousand miles to show you that i'm right for your love Breaking next when you passing them by. Make sure they know that you take and love in your vibe. Let's be forever tonight. And I will let you make up your mind. But I can't wait. Where you coming over? Let me be your chauffeur.
When you came through that door, yeah. Glowing like a headlight. Independent all the way, got her bread right, yeah. Hard to ignore. Sexy body, make a jaw hit the floor. Won't you come over now? Just let me hold you down. Nothing else matching your type. Nothing else matching your type, yeah. Oh, I feel the magic in the air. And when you give me a taste, Welcome to the only show bringing cops and the community together for some real talk and some real listening. This is uncut. This is uncensored. This is Black and Blue Live. Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Black and Blue Live. Welcome, thank you for joining me. My name is Dale, if you don't know me, I am the host of this show. I appreciate each and every last one of you for checking out this show and coming on. Uh, we, got, we got a real, real cool show for you here today. Real powerful, real poignant. I appreciate everybody for coming on. So also, uh, make sure you check out the show right now. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So on one of those platforms, make sure that you check us out and uh, we'll get your comments on. And uh, so today's show, we're gonna be talking about something real powerful. Uh, unfortunately, my co-host that's usually here, Elizabeth, she is not here, but uh, we got somebody real important that can fill in for her. So everybody, please welcome the incomparable man from uh, San Diego's finest. Everyone check out my man, Captain Ben Kelso. All right, all right. Welcome everybody, on, it's gonna be a great show. I'm looking forward to this, man, I I'm good. Hey, the Chargers won today, <laughs> right? The Chargers won today, yes. If that's, that's not that's something to be excited about, what is? It's I not, it's, it's really not, it's really not. <laughs> okay, yes. okay. Yes, but thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, for filling in for Elizabeth. I'm sure she'll, she'll check out the show when she can. But in the meantime, today's show is we're gonna be talking about uh, Drunk driving. We got our first comment here uh, from Liz Atkins on Facebook. She says, hey, "Hi, you Ben. Hey, Ben. Hey. So, hey, <laughs> hey, Liz. Yes, thank you for everybody that's going to be commenting on this powerful topic. We got, like I said, we're going to be talking about drunk driving and the impact it has on the offender, the person uh, making that choice to get behind the wheel intoxicated, and the the impacts on the community, everyone around them, from uh, from the people that they hit and you know the families that they have to." To deal with after that so uh let's let's bring on our guests that are going to talk about this important topic our first uh, uh guest here he is a lieutenant with the california state university over here in california uh san bernardino campus everyone please help me welcome in lieutenant john gutierrez i got a bad feeling about hey this. everybody <laughs> what's going you? on man how you doing oh man i'm doing well i'm blessed and fortunate to be here with you and ben and uh, to talk about this important topic, we're talking about uh, DUI and the impacts that it has on so many in our community. And so thank you for having me on the show. Yes, and absolutely. And let me say, this is, this is one of the number one podcasts. I don't know if you know it, everyone's watching, everyone's streaming, and we love what you're doing. And uh, listen, keep up the great work. Appreciate you, appreciate you there. Uh, one of our guests, uh, if you are listening, one of, one of the guests here, if you are listening to the show, 
please mute that because we got the feedback coming on here. I don't know if that's uh, you, Ben, John, one of the other guests. Please, please mute that. Um, you are in the show. You don't need to listen to it, too. So <laughs> at any rate, our next guest here works for the, uh, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Everyone, please help me welcome in Miss Jacqueline Epina. Where is she? She was here a second ago. What happened, Jackie? Oh, I think Hi. she... <laughs> Are you there? We hear you. We don't I'm see here. you. This is live. We don't see you. But uh, I, we will... My camera's on. Can you hear me? Okay. I, yes, we... I think there's a technical difficulty. We'll get you on here. Don't worry about it. And our last guest here, uh, she has been impacted by uh, a drunk driver. Everyone, please help us welcome in Dr. Jaco McCowan. She's not coming on either. We having some problems. How about this? We got everybody there. What's going? On? How about that? Oh, okay. here we go. How about Jackie? Are you there, Jackie? Jackie what happened to you? <laughs> oh, uh, I think we had a, a technical difficulty, but she'll 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 get on momentarily there. But uh, Dr. McCowan, how are you? I'm I'm good. I'm excited to be here uh, today with one of the number one uh, podcasts. Uh, yes, so it's, it's a wonderful thing. Thank you so much. Um, just want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I currently serve as the founder and executive director for And I Stand Nonprofit, um, and we focus on various issues that affect mental health in communities of color. One of the issues is what we're discussing here today. Um, so I'm excited, um, and we know that that this this is a major issue that plagues uh, communities of color. So we um, we advocate, we provide education centered around these topics, and um, we also take pride in collaborating with Mad. So Jackie, um, a shout out to Mad. She represents um, a, a, a wonderful organization, and I also am a volunteer of Mad. So it, it's just a great time to be here. Real quick, shout out to Ben. Uh, found out he was frat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. They they basically fa thank you very explain much. That so, to everybody. Explain that to everybody that doesn't know. Okay, well, it's hey, it's that Dove Love. That's what it is. Uh, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, of which I happen to be a member, uh, is the only uh, Divine Nine fraternity that is constitutionally bound to. Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Wow. There you go. We are bound by constitution. Chain to the hip. We <laughs> we just got schooled. Yes, I there appreciate you go. that. There you go. <laughs> appreciate that. All right. And Jackie, we, we got you on. We didn't get your, your proper introduction. Tell everybody about yourself. Um. So my name is Jackie Pina. I am the state program manager and law enforcement liaison with Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I've been with the organization for five years. All right. So we'll definitely call upon your experience here. So uh, yes, and thank you for everybody that's uh, coming here. We got a Torrid uh, Gentry Thomas on Facebook who's saying, can't wait to hear the discussion on this great topic. And thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you. So um, we wanted to talk about, you know, as you see there on the lower banner there, drunk driving and the cost of bad decisions. Actually, we all know that uh, getting behind the wheel when you're impaired is a bad decision, but not everybody knows when that, when they should not be uh, getting behind that wheel because everyone thinks that they're Superman or Superwoman and that they can get through that situation. So we'll talk about that. We got Liz Atkins on Facebook saying, 
that uh, her mother was killed by a drunk driver. So I uh, appreciate you for your story there. We're going to have some pretty poignant stories here today. Um, what is everyone's experience here with, uh, with DUI? Um, John, I know you're a police officer. Why don't you tell everybody about your experience in working in the DUI room? Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I've been a police officer now for 30 years. I, I started working in Los Angeles with the Los Angeles School Police Department and uh, transitioned out here to uh, San Bernardino and then now here at Cal State University, San Bernardino. And over my 30 years, I've made, you know, several arrests for uh, folks for drunk driving who've made that conscientious decision to uh, become impaired and, and then get behind the wheel. And I'll tell you that uh, my heart and I want to offer my condolences to everyone um, across our nation who's been impacted by uh, impaired drivers or those who've made the conscientious choice to drive while under the influence of, you know, drugs and alcohol. And I'll tell you that it never becomes easier, but in, it just seems like in today's times, we're spending far too much money on, you know, commercials and ads that promote uh, drunk driving or promote the sale, not promote drunk driving, but promote the sale of alcohol when really those dollars should be turned into, you know, publications for preventative and intervention uh, versus more or less drunk driving. But I'll tell you that I've seen a lot of crashes, um, uh, none of them good, and they've impacted so many people in the ways that are just unimaginable. Yep, for sure, for sure. And uh, Jackie, why don't you tell everybody what you actually do there for MAD and how long you've been doing it and some of the some of the things that you get involved with there. Um, so I do programs, so I'm funded by TechStot. So we have a program our, called Take the Wheel Initiative. So there's different components to it. We do community outreach. We attend community coalition meetings. We do law enforcement outreach. We have an annual law enforcement recognition event and we hold every year. We also have an impaired roundtable, so that's bringing community stakeholders together, judges, prosecutors, district attorneys, law enforcement, community partners that share our vision and our mission to end drunk driving and drug driving. And then one of our biggest components is our underage drinking prevention program. So that's a lot that we do. Uh, we have two programs within MAD. It's called Power of Youth and Power of Parents. So we know that you can't have one without the other. So having those conversations with your youth, with your adolescent about alcohol and, and or marijuana as well. And research shows that children start drink, start thinking about alcohol as early as age eight. And in Texas, your average use for alcohol is 12 years old. So we just wanna educate the community about, you know, the dangers of underage drinking and what it could lead to also in the future and the consequences that come along with it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And we'll talk about that as well. And uh, Dr. McCowan, uh, tell everybody a little bit about your your experience in the DUI realm. I think you're muted there, doctor. That mute button will get you every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> every time. In Texas, I just kind of want to piggyback off of uh, Jackie. Um, things are a little different regarding the laws here because DUI is typically given to minors under, um, you know, our Texas traffic uh, code. 
DUIs only are issued to minors under the age of 21, pretty much. And so really? here in Texas, um, yes. So <laughs> it's two different, so it's two different things. And um, basically, anybody who um, who has a blood alcohol level of 0.08, um, now they would get a DWI, which is driving while under the influence. So it's two different things. Um, but to be transparent. Um, I've seen and experienced situations since around this. Um, when you're young and you think you know everything, I feel like I'm talking like my mom now. She's coming out. But when you think you know everything, um, at times um, people, you know, think that they can drink one or two drinks and then, you know, those drinks just sneak up on you, you know? And nice. sometimes not even at no fact, no fault of yours, sometimes people can slip things in your drink. So... It's very important to always have a designated driver um, or also, you know, have a, a driving service um, on deck like Lyft to help as well. And I know we'll probably talk more about that. Um, but here recently, my experience has been uh, with the loss of my sister in love to a drunk dr uh, driver. So very familiar with um, DUI, DWI. Yeah. Sorry for your loss as well. Appreciate it. Wow. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I, I do another... notice that ahead, both uh, Jackie and, and uh, Dr. McCown are from Texas, and uh, I, I did hear you say that the the impairment level that is considered there would be 0.08, right? Which is also the same as what we have here in California. There it was 0.10 for a long time, and then it was lowered to to 0.08 and I found that interesting that you have two different classifications of it, one for minors versus one for adults. Have you always had that? Um, and so going back, yeah, so in Texas, it's a DWI, driving while intoxicated. And they do have, I don't know how long they've had it, but for minors, it is driving under the influence. But it also depends. It's up to the officer. Even if they are under 21, they could still charge them as an adult and give them a DWI. So it wouldn't be just a class C misdemeanor. Because for youth, it'd be a class C misdemeanor. It'd be bumped up to a class A or B, depending on what it is. But I don't know how long exactly there's been that differentiation. But here in Texas, we do have those two different levels. Yeah. Well, we have the same sort of thing here in California because the level for juveniles in California is not 0.08, it's zero. Zero. So if you have 0.01 in your bloodstream here in California, uh, in your juvenile, you can be charged. Yeah, and it's the yeah. same in Texas. It's zero tolerance. Right. So any detectable amount. Yes. There you go. Mm. Yeah. So we're, we're on the same page. If you're, here. If you're if, yeah, if you're a minor and you're 0.08, then you're probably going to get a DWI. Uh, to Jackie's point, so you can be a minor and be charged with a DWI. Yep. Yeah. All right. Got a few more comments here. Um, uh, Chris McCowan on uh, Facebook saying it always depends on the officer if it's DWI versus DUI. Important uh, mm -hmm. distinction there. And uh, we appreciate everybody who's commenting here. Uh, Vernon Heron on uh, LinkedIn is saying, why don't we hold drunk drivers accountable? And that's one thing I wanted to talk about in, uh, later on, but why don't we get to it now? What, what do you guys think about uh, you know, our laws um, the way we treat drunk driving here in this in this country, do you think that there's enough being done? Do you think the punishment is is enough? Do you think it we kind of allow things to happen? 
What, what are your thoughts on that? We'll, we'll start with you, uh, Dr. McKellen. So, I mean, don't even get me started on the laws in Texas. Um, and now you know Texas is a different beast. We've been on the news <laughs> several times for different <laughs> situations regarding our laws. And DWI and, D, uh, and DUI is nothing different. Um, it, it almost seems like you get a slap on the wrist. You'll have repeat offenders that will keep on drinking and driving. And it's like nothing happens until, you know, they kill someone. And even then, you have offenders that walk around <laughs> like nothing, like they did anything. And so our laws definitely need to be stricter. You can get a misdemeanor, but where's the felony? Where's the jail time? Some people get off on probation. And again, it depends on the situation, but a lot our issue in Texas is the repeat offenders. And we keep allowing them to get back on the street and do the same thing. And so it, it is sad. It's a horrible situation. Um, definitely, again, need to make sure that the laws are strict. And, and we're fighting that good fight um, with MAD. And I'll let Jackie talk more about that. But um, MAD is such a great organization that continues to get out there and, and fight for the community and fight for victims to end drinking and driving. Yep. Ms. Yeah, McCallum on I, Facebook I says that, uh, he says, the, hold up real quick, he says that uh, laws are too lenient on Facebook there. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead, John. Yeah, I agree with Dr. McCowan. I think the, the, the laws are too lenient with respect to drunk driving. I think we need to revisit that and we need to make the penalties a lot stronger and more uh, harsh. I don't think we should have to, someone has to die in order for them to, you know, get a harsh sentence, so to speak. Um, we know this is a, is a systemic problem throughout our nation, uh, drunk driving. I think we should take a better look at it and try to revisit that and try to make it uh, where we can really see a more uh, significant reduction in, in the amount of crashes and in, in, uh, deaths uh, simply by making the penalties a lot more harsher. Yeah. I've heard that comparison about our country and other countries around the world for a long time that other countries don't play. When it comes to drunk driving, yeah. you know, you get your first offense and and they throw you under the jail. But here in the U.S., you yeah. know, it's a different different animal for lots of things. You know, guns. You know, it's, it's yeah. we have a different culture here, and uh, you, yeah. you know how prohibition went. So you know, we love our alcohol yeah. here, and and the lobby, the alcohol lobby, I'm sure has a lot to do with that. Unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh yeah. And uh, Patricia on uh, YouTube says people also need to stop being selfish and start thinking about other people. Yep. Facts, 100 on that, 100 on that. Jackie, why don't you uh, continue on that conversation about penalties here in the U.S.? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I agree with everyone. It's, it's too lenient. I mean, I know that in 2019, MAD helped pass, like, a stricter law, especially on deferred adjudication. Like, if it, it would no longer... When it's your first time, you could get deferred adjudication. So they place you on probation for a limited amount, for an amount of time, do classes, uh, 10 victim impact panels, community service, pay a fine, and so on. So then if you were to get a second DWI offense, they would just classify it as a DWI first because they reduced that first one to an obstruction of highway, things like that. But in 2019, MAD helped pass the law that even if you they reduced it, they dropped it down. If you get a second one, it's going to be a DWI second. It's not going to be a DWI first anymore. 
but we see it a lot. We have people that have open cases because they haven't gone to court. It hasn't been adjudicated. So it's a DWI first, and then they'll get another DWI first. And like you said, why does someone have to die for there be harsher penalties and do something about it? And unfortunately, it's something that we see in society until something actually happens to you or your loved one. It's when people like actually want to care about this topic or this situation. And it's something that we've seen for a very long time. I mean, Matt's been around for 41 years now. And it's unfortunate that it has to get to that point. I mean, you're still taking a life, a life was lost. So I think it should be the same as like if someone was killed in a homicide. Like, why isn't it those same, you know, penalties within the, the justice system? So I know families see that all the time. Like, someone could be murdered and you could get up to 99 years to life. But when it comes to DWI fatality and intoxication manslaughter, the most someone could get is 20 years. Mm. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> Vivi V on uh, Facebook says, thanks to Mad for all that you do. You know what? I wanted to uh, really piggyback on that. Um, everyone out there probably knows what the police departments do. You know, that's Ben and uh, John and myself. We work for police departments. And uh, Dr. McCowan, she got a chance here to, to talk about what uh, And I Stand does. But, you know, I kind of assumed that everyone knew what MAD is. Why don't, why don't you tell everybody, Jackie, what exactly MAD is and what they do and, and how they came about? Yeah, so um, not a lot of people know or they've heard about it, but it's been a while. So MAD stands for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. But sometimes people, too, have that misperception or misconception that it's just women. And it's not, you know. It's an organization that was started by a mother in California 41 years ago because her daughter was killed by a drunk driver. He was a repeat offender. And her daughter was just walking down the street and he ran into her and he ended up killing her. So MAD has been around for 41 years. There's different components to MAD, as I stated, I do programs. But of course, our main one, our most important one is our victim advocate, our victim side, our victim component because without that then mad wouldn't exist so mad is here to help victims we have resources um we have an, a 24-hour helpline so anyone that's been impacted by a drunk or drug driver and it doesn't matter if the crash happened yesterday if it happened 20 years ago or even longer mad is there to provide the resources the support whether you need support finding like a counselor or you need to go to therapy or you need to you need help navigating through the justice system court mad will be there to accompany our victims throughout the court court process because sometimes our victims are not ready to face that offender or have to listen to the testimony or have to look at those graphic pictures of the crash so yeah. we have advocates that will be there through the whole process if you need help through the civil um finding a civil attorney, because what if they were coming from a restaurant or a bar or somewhere that they could be held liable for that offender's actions? Mm. Like we are there to provide all those resources. Um, we are starting uh, here in Texas, a victim support group, especially, you know, navigating through the holidays, because again, people are not thinking like someone that commented, like they're selfish and not, they're not thinking about the consequences. And especially with the holidays coming up, it's just such a hard time 
especially if it's going to be your first holiday without your loved one by your side. Yeah. 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 And that, that's one that's of the deep. reasons why I wanted to do this, do this program because we're coming up on these holidays, you know, Thanksgiving's going to be the first one coming up here and there's going to be lots of, lots of drinking. Hell, even uh, Halloween parties. People will be going yeah, to Halloween I, parties and yep, consuming. Alcohol so. is, is just such a, a large component in American culture, especially with holidays and festivities and Sundays for football and you name mm -hmm. it. Alcohol has always been there as a part of it. J Jackie, I have a question though. Um, and I know that you, MAD provides a, a great deal of services and support for victims. Does MAD also have wraparound services for offenders who also, you know, in order to really bring them full circle through uh, the incident, they need services as well. So um, I'll answer that question, but I know Halloween was mentioned and I just wanted to say Halloween is not a holiday, but it is one of your deadliest days. Like it is one of your deadliest days with drunk driving crashes. But going back to that, uh, for offenders, we do have victim impact panels. So everyone that gets a DWI, DUI, even here in San Antonio, um, I have a great relationship with the municipal court. So even if it's a minor in possession, minor in consumption, those youth still have to attend this class. So they listen to victims and or offenders share their stories of how they've been impacted. But we won't have those resources for offenders but we can have those resources for the uh, for the families of the offender because they are also a victim because they're okay. person also decided to make that choice so we might not have those same services for offenders but for the families of the offenders they're available because again they are a victim they they were affected mm -hmm. and again your, that offender is not thinking in that moment of how everyone is affected but we're there for them as well. And the only reason oh, yeah. we don't have other, other services for offenders is because we don't want to have to have our victim like be re-victimized again. Like if they run into them in our office or at an event, like you don't want them to do that. So we just don't want to put our victims through that. They've already gone through enough. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tara on uh, Facebook again says, Mad supported our family when we lost my grandma to a drunk driver. It's an awesome organization. Couldn't agree more on that. And uh, before we move on, well, we got another uh, comment here from, uh, I don't want to try and pronounce that first name, but Ms. Holston on uh, Facebook, or Mr. Holston on Facebook, what laws are currently being discussed to help regulate via Congress? I don't know if anything would be regulated on the uh, national level. Everything would be on the state level. Uh, but, you know, answer me. You can, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, Jackie or Dr. McCown, if you guys know. Uh, is there anything being discussed uh, on a national level as far as uh, drunk driving? And I'm sure Matt has some, some input on that. Um, currently, I don't know anything on a national level. Yeah. Um, this was a lobbying year, but I know there wasn't, um, I mean, it's something that it'd be great for it to be on the national level, but currently I don't believe there's anything available. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I agree. So, uh, hey, before we move on though, um, uh, your, your little tag there at the bottom there, both you, Jackie and Dr. McCallum say you're in ta Texas 
and uh, you in particular, Jackie, are in San Antonio. I just came back from uh, me and the fam. We we're in Texas uh, a couple weeks ago. We went down to San Antonio and visited your fair city. I, I like I like San Antonio. That was my first time there. It's, it, that's a nice town. We went down to the Riverwalk, saw the Alamo, went downtown. Yeah, I like San Antonio. Really did. Don't don't like your, your basketball team much, but I'm a, I'm a Laker fan. But <laughs> yeah, all the all the battles back and forth with uh, with the with the Spurs and, and Kobe <clears throat> and Shaq all those years. Yeah, you know how that goes. You know how that goes. But I, I do like San Antonio. I, I had a good time down there. I just wanted to say that. Um, we were talking about education earlier, and John, I know you're, you're in the educational realm now. Well, you seems like you've been it in your whole career in educational law yeah. enforcement. Um, what sort of educational programs have you seen, or, or what is your, your current agency doing? I know because you're on the college campus and, and alcohol is allowed on the college campus. Uh, do you guys do any sort of educational programs on the college level to, to kind of let them know about drunk driving? Yeah, that's a great question. I know from the uh, from the K through 12 perspective, we've always partnered with our partners in the California Highway Patrol for every 15 minutes. Uh, that presentation that they have, it's a two day presentation that raises the level of awareness to you know impaired driving, and it's really a a, a presentation that, quite frankly, gives you all the simulations of a, a actual crash, a DUI crash. With, with victims and there's you know um, you know mock blood and everything and if you haven't had an opportunity to check that out I would suggest everyone check it out but it's geared towards high school high school juniors and seniors and we take the same approach at the university level you know at a university not to say that they advocate for you know everyone to drink but we know that uh, do have uh, young young teens who are 17 18 years of, of age in college now and you know they're run, around folks who are 21 22 who are also college students and they wind up in these places and spaces where they will have a drink so the the goal is to continue that education that same 15 minutes it may not be to that degree but like you said that 23 136 of the california vehicle code basically says that there's a zero tolerance for anyone under under the age of 21 to have any um, alcoholic uh, beverage so i know that at times you may they may think that well I only had one beer and I'm, I'm 18, but I'm in college. I kind of feel that that pressure, that peer pressure to be, you know, liked or be amongst their peers doing it. But that that law, that 23136 of the vehicle code really is a zero tolerance. So it doesn't matter if you have that one one drink and you think you can make it. You just can't do it. And so we try to encourage people to think before they drink, um, really kind of drive that point home and raise that level of awareness. We do have on the college campus our campus uh, security officers, I'm sorry, our community service officers who actually provide rides to and from, you know, the dorm. So if you have someone who's walking home from a class or walking home from a study group back to their dorm, they can get a, they can get a ride via that service so that they're safe. And the key is really just the safety. I think Dr. McCowan and Jackie mentioned it as well about utilizing an alternative service, something like Uber or Lyft or something like that, or even having a friend who's a non-drinker, non that designated driver to help get you to where you need to be. I think we really have to, we can't, we can't raise enough awareness to it. It has to be a discussion that's not just left up to the police. It has to be a discussion that's left up to every home. If you're planning an event at home, a birthday party, a kid's party, and you know there's gonna be alcohol there, 
that level of awareness needs to begin right then and there. We don't wait till right. the, the end of the day when they get ready to leave. Certainly we should be, um, you know, thinking about that. We see someone leaving our party and they're impaired. We should be thinking about getting them an alternative ride. But certainly mm -hmm. I think the discussion and awareness has to begin soon. It has to begin when you're thinking about putting alcohol or drugs in any type of environment. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. before we move on, hey. it's, it's good. Yeah, go ahead, Ben, and then I'll jump in. Go ahead, Ben. You know, um, John has a, a unique situation. Uh, any sort of college campus, I mean, it's it's kind of like it's its own entity, its own um, sort of cultural system. And, and in those areas and in those spaces, uh, alcohol, along with uh, drug use and narcotic use, is, is something that students just do. Right. Uh, a lot of it is is based on, you know, trying to blow off steam and partying and that whole culture with that. Those things go together. And I know we offer a lot of services for alcohol. Do we offer those same levels of services for drug use, narcotics? Uh, you can get a DUI for being under the influence of marijuana. You can be impaired on mm -hmm. other drugs. Do we offer those same services at uh, at your university? And in the system, yeah, the UC system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've only been here uh, a short time, but I can tell you that the university doesn't really, you know, promote the, you know, these things in terms of providing alcohol and stuff like that. But they somehow managed to make their way onto a campus. But our student <laughs> Go services, figure. Go figure. And, um, oh, yeah, yeah, our they student do. services, they do offer a wraparound support in just about everything there is from mental illness to you know, um, alcohol intervention. Um, they provide all of those services. They just need to know. And so our officers act as eyes and ears. And if we see something that we think that they need to know, we make those notifications and we connect them to those services. And we make those services available, you know, to each one of our officers so that they have that knowledge so that when they see it, they can do it in more real time. They can connect those folks um, with some type of services. Again, the whole goal is to be the intervention and a prevention piece, as well as the education, because I think that's very important, is the educational yep. piece. We cannot talk about this enough. We can't. And on, on that note, uh, you mentioned every 15 minutes I was going to bring this up, but since you brought it up, let's talk about uh, every 15 minutes here. So um, every 15 minutes, I'm sure, Jackie and Dr. McCown, you guys have something similar in your state of Texas and the viewers in, in whatever state you're watching this from um, every 15 minutes is a program, a two-day program, focusing on high school juniors and seniors, which challenges them to think about drinking, driving, personal safety, the responsibility of making mature decisions, and the impact their decisions have on family, friends, community, and many others. I've been involved in uh, 15 minutes, every 15 minutes, a few times, a few years. There's some of their goals and objectives. Um, there's me at one of the uh, every 15 minute events. This is a mock crash with a, with a student there. Um, you see back there, we, uh, we simulated a, a death in that traffic accident, we won't say accident, in that traffic collision. Uh, the students get to come out there and watch the whole scene. Um, here's another portion of a, of a mock crash. And, and they- wow. They, they do a really good scene. The fire department will come out and they'll actually extricate people from these vehicles and, and the ambulances will come out and do the whole thing. We even had uh, an air helicopter come down, a medevac. 
Powerful. come down and airlift, airlift one of the students out. Uh, these are all actors, of course, but uh, it's just to show how powerful it is. Um, as you can see there, I mean, look at that. That's crazy, right? Powerful, very yeah. powerful. And, uh, yeah. and you even have the corners, yeah. the corners come out, the corners investigators come out. And so the students get to see that as well. And uh, you got the, uh, the hearse that comes out and picks up a body. And they actually see that, you know, these, so you got, wow. you know, 11 and 12th graders that come out and see the impact of what, you know, their decisions hold on. And then some of these, uh, we got a Grim Reaper and some of the other students that represent um, students that have been killed by drunk drivers. So, yeah, it's a great wow. program. I'm sure you guys have something similar in your own states. Yeah, it's a phenomenal program. Yeah. And if you take a look at some of the expressions on, on some of these students' face, they're just like in shock and awe. Um, you can see some of them, they're, they're crying. It's all too real to them. And it's really yep. a great educational piece. There's, it doesn't traumatize them, but it does, it does uh, you know, cause them to think. Yep, yep. That's great. And a few of them that participate in the program, like I said, it's a two-day event, so they'll go through the justice system. They take them to the jails. They'll take them through um, the court system and let them know what, you know, what that process is going to be like, that experience is going to be like. So, yeah, it's a... It's a really eye-opening experience to get them thinking about um, their choices once they graduate and even when they're still in school too so yeah yeah, yeah so um and i know we talked about this briefly down um here it's called shattered dreams um and it is a two-day event and i've gone through the process i've worked with the high schools and like you said it's junior seniors and it's not just anybody it's a whole process of like picking the people and um, also, then the second day, usually it's the actual funeral, and you'll have someone read the eulogy. And at times, too, these students will have to write like a last letter for their parents. Like, yeah. what? Like, if I'm not here, this is, this is what I have to say. But it, again, it's not something for them to be traumatized, but but learn and look at all the consequences, and not just just look at all the people that are also involved. It's not just like EMS or police, but then the coroner and the funeral home. And it, it's just a, a long list of all the people that are affected when there is a drunk driving crash. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So everybody, you know, we start talking about, yeah, go ahead, man. Go ahead, Dale. No, I was just going to ask. I was going to say, we start. <laughs> go ahead, man. You pull right. Okay. Go ahead. I was going to, you know, we start talking about the impacts of all of these all the way around, and we see that there's impact definitely on, on students and on the victims and so on and so forth. But there is also an impact on the first responders, the folks who respond to these scenes. And we don't generally talk about that, and, and they do a really good job of trying to mask the, the, the impact these scenes have on them. But the same issues that we see in our communities with these problems impacts the first responder community as well, both from the victim side and unfortunately uh, from the offender side as well. Do, do, do we notice that in, John, do you notice that in your organization, your agency and Dale, yours? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's um, it, it, the trauma of just being there and seeing that and witnessing that and trying to, you know, rescue folks and save folks lives is, is traumatic. And, you know, um, Ben, police officers endure a lot of trauma each and every day. 
in everything that they do. But I mean, seeing it like that, I, as you were talking about it, I was thinking about a, a friend of mine who's, who's a police officer who um, early on in his career, he went, he was dispatched to a radio call where it was a traffic collision involved. And so he gets there to the call and when he gets out, he pulls up and, and it's his own mom killed in the crash. So oh. when you when you think about these type of wow. things, yeah, we enjoy a lot of trauma and they're, you know, crash after crash after crash after crash. And then they're DUIs after DUIs after DUIs. And, you know, there's been some police officers involved in DUIs. And so I would say to them, you know, don't drink and drive. I think that between 2005 and 2011, there's been more than 500 police, I'm oh, sorry, 5,000 police officers who were, you know, involved in, in, a, in a crash, a DUI crash, and were arrested for that. So, yep. you know, sometimes I believe, and this is not an excuse, but sometimes that's how police officers mask their their trauma that they're dealing with is they, you know, they have a drink, and then they say, you know, they forget because they're impaired, and then they start to drive. So the educational piece for me to them really is don't drink and drive. And no matter what you're going through, there's some resources that we can connect you with, um, you can call back to your station and ask for a ride, but there's so many different ways that we can't, we cannot take behind that motor vehicle. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, and we were going to kind of talk about this a little bit later, but John, since you brought up that we're not immune to, to being uh, drunk driving offenders, um, Dr. McCown, you have a story as well that, uh, we would love for you to, to tell us all about. Uh, thank you. Thank you again for the opportun opportunity. I'm sorry. Um, so this is a little hard, um, but I've told the story, so I'll try my, my best to keep it together. Um, pretty much the day I found out about my sister-in-law, Taylor McCowan, um, it was very unreal. Um, I was at work when I got the message, and I thought she got into a minor fender bender, um, and so she was going to be okay. But boy, was I wrong about that, right? Um, so to give you a little background on Taylor, Taylor um, is a twin to Ashley McCowan. So she's, <laughs> she has a twin and she was born in the Houston area um, to my mother-in-law and father-in-law, Raquel and James McCowan, Raquel Hatch and James McCowan. So um, she, there's five, she has, it's five siblings, siblings, I'm sorry, in all. And um And so she went to UTSA to pursue her dream of becoming a nurse. Um, it was there when she was involved in sports and different auxiliary groups. Um, she mentored, um, she engaged in community service. She joined uh, a slew of Christian groups to help spread the gospel, touching everyone that she came across. And so the night of the fatal crash, and again, we say fatal, because it's not an it, and we say crash because it's not an accident. Taylor was coming back from Bible study. She was asked to help out some friends, um, and so uh, no one could ever imagine that when she left, helping out those friends, that she would be in a in a in a car in a car crash, and she was hit by a drunk driver, and so. Um, you know, our family and friends had one question, and that question was, why Taylor? Taylor gave with her heart. She gave to anybody that she could. And, you know, she tried to hold on for almost two weeks, two weeks. She ended up losing her battle 
around and she was gathered around family and friends. You know, we were praying day in, day out. But the sad thing about Taylor's situation is that she lost her life to someone who was supposed to protect and serve. And that's a U.S. Marshal. And so speaking to y'all today is very vital because police are set to a higher standard. And so, and that standard is to protect and serve no matter what. So there should be no reason why police officers, I don't care what level you're on, um, why you would not protect and serve and be so irresponsible by taking somebody's life because you decided to drink and drive. And so, you know, pretty much life has not been the same without Taylor. Um, there's definitely a void. And you talk about the holidays, Thanksgiving is coming up. Christmas is coming up and it's it's just never going to be the same. She has a niece and a nephew who always mentions her name. So we know she's still here in spirit. They always, always, always are reminded of Taylor. But it's like, why do we even have to get there? Because somebody was very irresponsible by getting behind the wheel. And so um, getting behind the wheel when you drink and drive, that's a choice. And so you are choosing to endanger the life of yourself and others. So when the damage is done, you have to be accountable. And so hopefully, you know, um, we're, we're still in a situation where nothing has been done. We're still trying to fight for Taylor. And it's sad, which again goes back to the broken system that we have in the United States, in Texas specifically, still waiting to get justice for Taylor. So I just say, you know, my, you know, just to make sure that if you decide to take that drink, do not get behind the wheel. Do not. I don't care if you no. have one drink or two drinks and you feel like, oh, I'm good. I got it. No. Have a designated driver because you just, you never know. You never know. You never know. Well, again, I know I said it before, but uh, we're sorry for your loss and your family's loss. I, I could only imagine. And, yeah, that is terrible. I appreciate it. We're, we definitely appreciate yeah. it. We're still, we're still battling the trauma. I mean, it still hurts to this day for a lot of the family uh, members. And it's sad because, again, she was a twin. So, you know, her twin has to look at her in the mirror. Basically, they, they were identical. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone has sad. to look at her in the mirror. Everybody. Actually, everyone. Everybody. You see, it's a constant reminder. Yeah. It's a yeah. constant you know, reminder. Um, Dr. McCon, you said something about, you know, justice. Um, can you expand on, on what you actually mean by that? I think I have an idea. You're, I think you're talking about uh, whatever the legal system or whatever uh, is, is part of that. Has that been adjudicated or is that a difficult process to navigate? It's definitely a difficult process because we haven't received, it's almost like, you know, the courts continue to delay, 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 delay. And just because you are an officer doesn't mean that you don't get hold accountable for the things that you've done. And it almost seems like because of that, we're still getting delayed, delayed, delayed. And I feel like if there are other situations that are happening, shootings and stuff you'll see people that you know they'll their their court cases seen right then and there right then and there but when it came to taylor we still waiting we still waiting to see 
we 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 still have somebody who killed her that's walking around enjoying life just chilling and we're we're mourning and it's like she's just another another name nobody even cares about you know wait so so, so he's not in like, custody no he is he's been walking around just chilling. Wow. <laughs> literally wow. chilling and so we have is he still employed with that agency He's not employed with the agency, from what I know. Um, I don't really know too much about him or care to even talk about him. Um, Mm. But I do know one thing. He's out. Um, No justice Mm. have been served. We're still waiting. And so, I mean, when (laughs) it's like, when when are we going to see something happen with the laws? We're just we're just here. And so we're waiting to get justice for Taylor. And it's almost like, you know, I think. there was a situation where you know and everything is public but he didn't want to use the breathalyzer okay well that's what you gotta do you gotta you gotta you got to make sure that you're accountable for what you're doing Mm -hmm. and so things of that it's just we're we're at a loss of words because again we're still fighting we have somebody walking around that has not um, been accountable for the for taking a life because he decided to get behind um, the wheel and drive. Yeah, I, I hear your frustration, uh, you know, and I'm sure that frustration is echoed across the panel. And I know Jackie can give us lots of examples of that that sort of frustration that victims feel, survivors feel uh, when they're dealing with with um, DUI incidents. Uh, and the dynamic with the, the court system, and then you're dealing with the grief and the loss and those sorts of things as well, and they all compound together. So I'm sure it's very frustrating. Absolutely. And uh, always at a loss of words. Can't even talk about it because it's just triggering. Yeah, our viewers are praying for you. Uh, Liz Atkins on uh, Facebook saying, praying for you and your family, Dr. McCowan. I totally understand. Yeah, I appreciate it, Liz. Thank you so much. And uh, Houston again, Holston again says that it's a situation like this. Why I believe nationally this pandemic should be addressed. So, okay. all right. Mm. Yep. Be so, interesting to know as the pandemic increased or, or decreased the the amounts of arrest or the level of arrest that we see with alcohol. Um, I know that alcohol sales dramatically increased during the pandemic, alcohol and gun sales. So it would make sense, you know, that we saw some sort of increase. Well, I would hope that during, at least during the lockdowns, people were staying, you know, within their, their circle at home and that's where they were doing the drinking, but yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, what what do you think can be done topic. about heavy topic yeah, here today? Yeah, what what do you guys think can be done to kind of wow. kind of curb this? What what do you guys think uh, we should we should do to move forward? Uh, more legislation, more education. What what do you guys think? Well, I think uh, from my perspective, I think we have to continue to increase the level of education and awareness. And legislatively, I think we need to look at making stricter penalties for. Uh, for this driving under under the influence because again until you've been impacted um, you don't feel the pain that you know folks like Dr. McCowan and others and you don't see the struggle that Jackie has to deal with and then the and the police officers on that trauma 
side of it. So, yeah, I think we need to increase the level of education and awareness, Dale, and I think we also need to uh, move forward with some stricter legislation. Agree. Mm. What do you think, Jackie? I agree with Lieutenant Gutierrez. Um, something, a question that we always ask, like the offenders, like they have to do a survey after they do the victim impact panel. And a lot of them, they're like, I wish there was more education when I was younger, or there was more schools that brought certain programs. And I know a lot of times there's certain schools that don't want MAD in the classroom because they feel that if they have us there, that means that there's a problem. And, you know, it, same goes for universities. Sometimes universe, some schools, universities don't want to have MAD present, but educating from such a young age would, you know, a lot of times they're like, why is MAD so concerned with underage drinking? Especially too, because underage drinkers make for such a high percentage of those fatalities, those underage drinking fatalities. So we reduce that, we're also reducing the number of fatalities that are happening. And with the question that was said about the pandemic, yeah, you would think that there'd be less arrest or slow down, but if we also look at underage drinking in Texas, those numbers like double. Um, there was still crashes, there were still fatalities, and there was a lot more people out on the roads. And too, since maybe the roads weren't as congested because people were staying home, but that then encouraged people to drive faster and, you know, intoxicated. And again, it's about yeah. something I say, just the way you're planning your perfect outfit for that night that you're gonna go out, that we're gonna be here on a show. Um, you need to plan the perfect way that you're gonna get back home, whether it's Uber, Lyft, public transportation, taxi, or you know what, you're non-drinking designated driver, not the person that had the least amount to drink, um, but the person that hasn't had anything to drink. But education is a big component. And again, to stricter, stricter laws and holding those people accountable. And going back to what Dr. McCallum was saying is, yeah, that person is arrested, but then they're, they have a bond. And if they post that bond, then they're released. And throughout this whole thing, they're just walking around still living that their life but our loved one just doesn't get that opportunity and they're never coming back so they they don't have that same the same yeah. freedoms i guess yep yep so uh and we were I talking can, about uh, yep. if ahead. i if i okay. can just uh piggyback to sure. um even even us being silent when uh, mrs holston said is there any national laws um is telling is telling about how important drinking and driving is to our country and is and it's sad and so um piggybacking off of what everybody else said absolutely more education being proactive and providing that education i remember when i was younger mad had um a, a crash car parked right inside of the outside the high school so as soon as yep. we walked up we were like what is this but you don't <laughs> see that anymore we i mean seriously we walked that we was like who and then mad was i mean they came the whole troop the whole crew was there hey this is mad this is what we're here about and they educated us when i was young i remember that and Me so too. we need to start bringing that back schools have to stop being oh i don't want that and it just shows that somebody somebody is um in trouble or something is going on we need that we have to stop um 
stop being so scared and really put things in perspective because this is the reality of things. The reality are is people are dying. Uh, the reality yeah. is we don't have strict laws. The reality is, again, on a national level, there's nothing we could even talk about. We're here in silence like, oh, what, what, what is going on on a national level? That's the yeah. issue, right, in itself. And so, um, again, being proactive, the education is imperative. Um, and then also just to advocate lobby for stricter laws. So continue the good fight that we can uh, that we can do and having conversations like this is, is also um, vital. So thank you again for this platform. You're totally welcome. And Vernon or Heron on uh, LinkedIn again, if we could pull that back up, it says uh, judges and prosecutors need to be held accountable for not applying the law appropriately. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I since, think we uh, all can agree on that. It's, yeah. again, oh, yeah. sometimes, you know, the officers do their job, write great reports, but then it comes down to the judges and prosecutors. And I mean, I had a judge reach out to me last week, how she's like, one of the, the criminal defense attorneys was like, um, if you do this, people are going to think you're way too harsh. And she's like, that's exactly what I want. I don't want them to think I'm being lenient. Like, even if it's just a DWI, like it save, it's gonna keep you know them off the streets and save lives. But sometimes people are just too scared, like Dr. McCowan said about you know speaking their mind or remaining silent. And I think it goes, it's it's the community thing. It's the collaboration between everyone, all the stakeholders involved. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I was going to tell, and yeah. I wanted to say this too, real quick. I wanted to say this. There was a situation where we did, as a family, we we watched the judge as, well, basically overall, did he lose his job? Wow, he lost his job. Okay, losing his job. <laughs> Wait a minute, he just took somebody's life. You asked somebody's life. Lose his yep. job. Mm. Okay. So again, these judges, uh, again to to your viewer's point, they need to do their jobs and they really need to enforce the laws. Agreed. Yeah, I know I agree. for me, I would be willing to work with uh, anyone to take the conversation nationally to get a national legislation. So, you know, if you know someone or you run across someone, hey, I'd, I'd be more than willing to uh, do my part to work with them to do it. Because we, we have to recognize uh, the fact that there is a need, and I think we've done that. Now we just have to rally the cause and get the right folks involved and see if we can draft that national legislation and even and even advocate for some stronger uh, penalties. So, listen, you have my support. If you find someone, just reach out to me, and I'll be willing to, to do my part. Agreed, agreed. You know, an interesting um kind of a caveat on this whole discussion when we start talking about judges and prosecutors um we're also talking about the the overall impact on on the criminal justice system and incarceration rates and things like that and and sadly what we're finding is i'm sure there's disproportionate uh sentencing in terms of, of who gets sentenced for these types of crimes sadly i'm sure it is um because that, that conversation takes place. Uh, okay, well, who who is being convicted of these sorts of crimes and who is getting those sentences and who is not, all right? And all of that weighs in, which it really makes it an interesting conversation uh, about this and about holding. We can say that about just about every impact of crime 
that that our legal system, those that are in charge of that, really do need to hold people accountable. But it also comes at the cost of uh, potentially incarceration and, and fines and so on and so forth. But it, without there being some form of accountability, we, we don't see big impact. There always has to be accountability of some sort. And I don't care what the crime is, but particularly with, with DUI. Particularly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, since uh, Ben and, and John and I, we're all in law enforcement and, you know, our, our respective agencies are out there trying to do DUI enforcement and making sure that impaired drivers are off the streets. Uh, so we do that in, in a number of ways with, you know, Office of Traffic Safety Grants and, and checkpoints and, and saturation patrols and all those sorts of things. I got, I got a question for the audience here. Um, have you ever experienced a DUI enforcement operation. So have you ever gone through a checkpoint? Have you ever been stopped and had to do FSTs or anything like that? Um, let us know in the comments, what was your experience like? Do, do you think it helped? Um, you know, have it, these sort of operations helped? Do you, uh, I know that uh, by law, a lot of these checkpoints have to be posted on, on social media and in the paper where the checkpoint's gonna be. So, you know, you always hear those criticisms. Well, if, if you tell people where the checkpoint's gonna be, they'll just go another way. Well. Um, the legal system has made it such that, you know, we have to post where this checkpoint is going to be. And, and that maybe that's another wrinkle in this in this legal system that we got to we got to iron out. Right. So if, if you have, just uh, let us know in the comments and we'll be sure to talk about that. All right. So um, wow. all of us, all of us here on, the, on this panel are black and brown. Right. Do you guys think in our communities in black and brown communities that uh, we kind of kind of glaze over driving impaired, drunk driving. Do you think that it's not a big, big deal in, in black and brown communities? What do you think about that, Jackie? I do think it's something that has to do with their cultures. I mean, especially in Texas and being Hispanic, like a lot of times, like when people, it's to them, it's like a rite of passage, or especially if you grew up in Mexico or you live in a border town, like you could just cross the street, you could cross the border and it's like drinking is ages 18. So sometimes when they come over, they don't realize what the laws and consequences are. But a lot of times we have that within the community too, like this machismo, like, oh, I'm okay, or I'm not that drunk, or, you know, bus driving is drunk driving. If you feel different, you're gonna drive different. So like Dr. McCowan had said earlier, it doesn't matter if you have one, if you have 10, impairment is impairment in Texas. Um, you don't have to be at a 0 0.08 to be together driving while intoxicated. Yep. You know, anything that impairs you, that affects you, whether it's a drug, a controlled substance, an over-the-counter drug, um, but I think within our culture, it is minimized. And a lot of times it's like, oh, I'm not that drunk, or I live really close to home. Or um, you hear a lot of people too, like, oh, I don't want to leave my vehicle or things like that. And it just brings me to something that Matt did, um, partnered up just a few weeks ago, something that has never been done. Um, so Matt teamed up with Anheuser-Busch and Uber. Um, so we have a campaign that's called decide to ride so it shows like the PSA shows someone at a bar and then they get a phone call and they go outside and the parking lot is empty so that parking lot is empty and all you see is ride shares picking people up or dropping them off and of course it says 
you can't drive drunk if you don't drive and it's something that we need to push more and more and more and more like we need to find that alternate way of going out i hear it a lot too like oh it's too expensive or this and that but if you have money to buy alcohol if you have money to go out and party then you definitely have money to that get part. a safe ride home that's that just part. my opinion agreed agreed what do you think dr mccallum in our black and brown communities kind of minimized i believe that is minimized i think that you know not not everybody but at times it can be a generational thing um you've seen i mean it might have been i seen my grandparents drink my uncle was drinking aunt was drinking and it's okay to drink because i've just seen it i grew up like that and, and again it's just not all just some and so um i think at times and this might be this is just a theory i have but you know a lot of times people go to drinking because they're trying to they're dealing with something and and i always encourage people to instead of going to drinking go to counseling go to see a therapist you know really really take advantage of um you know the services and um that's available because when you go to drinking then other things could happen <laughs> drinking can lead to some dangerous things and so um just just trying to educate people on different outlets other than drinking to mask whatever you're going through uh whatever situation whatever you're feeling uh i'm feeling down i lost my job let me take a drink let me just you know that drinking is not always the way and so again it's not just communities of color i'm i'm sure it's a lot of a lot of people have done it but in communities of color i've i've seen it in um it is minimized at times yeah sometimes i think um you know i certainly recognize it in my 32 years of being in law enforcement i've worked all over um the city and I certainly notice in, in some communities, you have more access to alcohol than you do in others. In certain communities, there are, I mean, houses converted to liquor stores and yep. markets and, you know, and then you go to other communities and you generally will only see like one store or maybe a big brand store or something like that. Yeah. But in, in a lot of minority communities, the access to alcohol seems to be higher than in other parts. And I'm sure that's a contributor. True. Yeah, I agree. 100%, 100%. Yeah. So uh, did you have something to say there, John? No, no, I agree. Um, I agree with what uh, Ben said. Um, he's absolutely right. Yeah. So I know a number of us have children here. I've got one in college, one thinking about going to college here pretty soon. And uh, so we're talking about the drinking age of, of teens and, and young adults. And I know we as parents and even uh, friends, we tell them, hey, if, if you're out, we're not naive to think that you're not gonna drink, but if you, if you need a ride, call me at any time, day or night, um, three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, uh, I'd rather you do that than get behind the wheel. Have either of you ever had that, uh, that conversation or either of you, uh, any of you ever had to actually go out? I know it's easy to say, call me, but then when that call comes at 2 o'clock in the morning, or did you actually get up and go? Has anyone ever had that situation where they actually had to go out and do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had that experience. Um, 
I have three daughters, one seven and the other's like 25 and 21. They haven't called me, um, but I've said that to friends. I've said that to police officers. If you're going to go out there and have a drink or something like that, you're, you're, you become impaired or you find yourself impaired, call me. And I've had calls from family members. I've had calls from, you know, police officers who've called me and sure, I've gotten up at two in the morning and went out there to pick them up. And you know what? That's the key. The key is to not get behind that wheel. So, yeah, I've had that experience. That that's interesting too that they felt comfortable enough to call you, to to pick them up because in our you know we have a culture too as law enforcement officers and one of the things that uh, is usually not something that that we do is ask for help call for help we can handle it um, you know even though we have these issues that we deal with hey we'll, we'll deal with it we don't need your help and then you find out that hey uh, you do need help. And you do need to look for support and, and, you know, to just to get through because we have law enforcement officers that get DUIs as well. All right. Plenty of them, in fact. And, uh, you know, and I personally am uh, involved with it because uh, I, where I work anyway, uh, we deal with law enforcement officers who uh, have found themselves facing some administrative peril as a result of their behaviors. Um, uh, think of it like detention for for law enforcement officers. Uh, that is a part of my my command and my specialty. So uh, I know yeah. alcohol's impact very yeah. well on law and, enforcement and, officers. And and I want to talk about that as well because the city that I work for is a college town. We have a, a college here in my town, so we got a bunch of bars in our town as well. And in the surrounding cities, um, for years come to party in our in our bar district. And uh, for years, my agency had a reputation of being uh, the agency that will actually arrest another cop from another agency for getting a DUI. And that that was a black mark on my agency. Well, <laughs> I look at it the opposite, you know. Again, we talked about being held to a higher standard. And uh, if you chose to get behind the wheel, then you know, you get no breaks coming. So that, that, that's just a little experience with my agency and, and not so much anymore, but uh, maybe they learned not to, <laughs> not to drink and drive through my city. But uh, yeah, for a long time, that was, uh, that was the, the mark about my city. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and down I, in San Diego too, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. I, I have uh, a question for y'all. So in the college towns that y'all work in, what about those situations where someone slips something in somebody's drink? And then they get, because a lot of times you have, you know, students who, you know, they may have been to a party, they've been drinking, but they didn't know something would slip in their drink. So how do you, yeah. how do you deal with that situation? Well, um, just from, from mm-hmm. my standpoint, understanding if a person's driving and uh, they're impaired, when we, when we arrest them, because if you're driving and you're impaired, whether someone slips something in your drink or not, you're going to be arrested. And that will be part of, of the statement that you give. If you give a statement, I will record that and document that, right? And then, unfortunately, I, I think it is incumbent upon that individual's um, legal advisor to really draw that out and help to prove that that's what took place. 
and I'll explore it. Yeah. If that's a, if a person can tell me, Hey, this person I was with, you know, they did something. I'll explore that. Right. But that won't invalidate the fact that they've been arrested for being impaired. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Right. And unfortunately, my experience has been when someone is slipping something in another's drink, it's not so that they can drive. It's usually so they can take advantage of them sexually. And those are the sorts of cases that I've seen. And those are the ones that we investigate. Those people are normally victims. And we pursue that, you know, wholeheartedly, full steam ahead on those because those are the ones that, you know, slip a Mickey in someone's drink. It's usually a female by a male. Um, and those are, the, those are the cases usually when someone's getting sl something slipped in their drink, so. Yeah, and when you find those, those folks usually aren't driving. They are so exactly. overwhelmed a, by whatever they're impaired with yeah. that we gotta call them an ambulance, usually. Yeah. Yeah, and I only say that because I know of a situation where there was a, a young lady who was at the club and she ended up leaving and then all of a sudden she blacked out and come to find out somebody slipped something in her drink. Right. Yeah. And, and those are the situations that do happen in bars. And, um, you know, we, we have patrols that go out and, and patrol the bars. But, you know, those things are hard to see. And, that, and that's why education, when you when you having your daughters, even your sons going to drinks, never. Yeah, my wife used to talk about that when she was younger. Uh, you know, when you when she go out, went out with her girls, you know, never leave your drink, never let somebody else buy your drink. You know, those, those sorts of things you got to educate yourself yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys, this was a powerful conversation here. And VVV on Facebook says, seems like a lot of people don't realize that over-the-counter prescriptions, yes, we, we didn't talk about that, um, is part of DUI. It's just not alcohol. People need, be, oh, yeah. need to be educated about that. Uh, most ignore yeah. the, the bottle label warnings. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got yeah. a lot of those warnings say do not operate heavy machinery. And, and what is a car? What is a truck? Heavy machinery. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I want to, and there's something, um, and I don't know if Jackie, you, you want to um, elaborate on this, but the HALT Act is another, is, is something that uh, MAD has stood behind. And that's, I mean, on, on a, I guess on a national level, that's something that came to mind. I was thinking about that. I was like, we really sitting here quiet, not knowing what's out there. Hey, sometimes <laughs> when you get put on the spot, you just, you just black out. Yeah. <laughs> But really, but but it's sad because even though there is the HALT Act, there's still not, <laughs> it's still not anything on not a, a national level that I can think of. But anyway, the HALT Act is, will, um, it's, it's kind of like new technology that they put in cars that can detect if you have been drinking and, and driving. And that's something that Matt has, um, has definitely stood behind. I believe that it was passed in the um, in the House and um, Senate. But again, correct me if I'm wrong, Jackie. Um, but that is something that will be highly effective um, having that technology in the car because you literally cannot move uh, once the car detects that you have been drinking and drink and you're you have been drinking. I'm sorry, and then you attempt to drive, the car won't even budge. Yeah, we have probation yeah. systems that do that once you've been convicted of, of uh, drunk driving and then, uh, you know, the court system can make you install those in your cars. But, wow, they're thinking about doing that on every car nationally, huh? Yeah, so I yeah. know I saw a comment earlier at the bottom of the screen that someone said that. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, the HALT Act um, passed in the Senate. So it's 
call for technology-neutral rule marketing that could involve a variety of drunk driving prevention systems, including driver monitoring, um, which can detect signs of distracted, impaired, or fatigued driving and alcohol detection. Mm -hmm. So just the way, I mean, years ago, we didn't have seatbelts, we didn't have airbags. Um, so it's something that, too, that advanced technology system, There, we have a campaign to eliminate dr drunk driving, and that's one of the the four steps is advanced vehicle technology system. So having vehicles, just the way you can add certain features to cars, having that feature that it could detect any amount of alcohol, whether it's by breath or even touch. So it's something that, mm, you know, wow. we're, we're on our way. Like obviously if you have uh, kids, you could put at zero. Um, and as an adult, you could set it at a different level, um, but it's something that we're moving forward to having nationwide. Yeah, yeah well, all these other things, they got self-driving cars. I don't see why they couldn't do that, right? <laughs> yeah. Makes all sense. Right. Yeah. All right, guys, this was a very powerful conversation. I appreciate each of you for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your experience and your stories with us. It was a great conversation. Uh, before we let you go there, uh, I wanted to give you uh, a choice one by one, a chance one by one to say something uh, to our audience on the way out, something that something that uh, you think they should know. So we'll start with you, Lieutenant Gutierrez, uh, something you want our audience to be left with. You know that the decision to drink and operate a motor vehicle comes with dire consequences. It's a, it, it's a, it changes folks' lives, not for the better, but for the worse. And I really would like everyone to think before they drink do not take that sip, get a designated driver, and just um, think of others other than yourself. Agreed. Sorry about that. You, we were talking about that mute button. It'll get you, right? <laughs> it got me that time. It got me that time. Uh, appreciate you on there, the Lieutenant uh, Jackie. Um. Yeah, so again, we want, so with MAD, we're not saying don't drink. We're saying don't drink and drive. You know, we, if you've heard throughout this whole conversation, we haven't said an accident. It's with MAD, it's not an accident. A drunk driving, it's a crash. You're choosing to get behind the wheel. You're choosing to drive in that impaired state. An accident is something that we can't prevent, that we can't avoid. And again, just the way we're planning the perfect outfit, for any event or Halloween coming up, the perfect Halloween costume, we need to plan the perfect way of how we're gonna get back home. Um, it's, I met a little girl a few years ago in the parking lot and the first thing she asked me was how much. She was a victim of a drunk driver. The drunk driver was her own mother. You know, she was underage driving and it left her child paralyzed and blind. But something that Crystalline always asks you, she wants to know how much. And at first I was like, what does she mean? And she wants to know how much do you love her? So it's something that I ask everywhere that I go and do presentations. How much do you love yourself? How much do you love your loved ones? How much do you love your families to make that choice to not drink and drive? Love that, love that. And uh, last but certainly not least, Dr. McCowan. So I'm just gonna keep it real short and simple. And it's, it's easy. Now everybody should know this. What do you think I'm going to say? Don't drink and drive. Simple. Don't be selfish. Don't get behind the wheel. 
get a designated driver. Don't drink and drive. That's it. Easy. We should all know that, but easy. sometimes we don't. Easy. Just like we, we all talked about here. Easy, easy. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, that's sometimes that's why, that's why, that's why we're here. Keep reminding right. people. Yep. Be responsible whenever you get behind that wheel for whatever reason. Alcohol, marijuana, Tylenol. If, if it's going to affect you driving, don't do it. Don't do it. All right. Again, we appreciate you. Any you, type of drug. Any type of drug. <laughs> yeah. Type of drug. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely, you know, meth and coke and all that. But yeah, we're talking about prescription drugs. Yeah. yeah. Oxy, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So again, I appreciate the three of you for coming on. I love the conversation. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll talk on the other side. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys. Thank you. You got Thank it. You. Yo, Ben, what was up? That was, was a deep, dope conversation. That was deep, right? It was. Yeah, I was like, man, I'm feeling emotional. What is going on here? Right? Yes. It was heavy. Yeah. I felt yeah. the weight. Yes, I felt it too, man. But we need those. We need those. I hope everybody got something good out of that. I know I did. I know I did. I love the conversation. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. So. Everybody, take take heed what was what was spoken today, man, because this is real. This is real. People dying. People dying. Yeah. So I appreciate you stepping in for uh, Elizabeth today, Ben. And uh, hey, man, I see you on the on the other side when we gonna do our show. I know we've been laxing on that, but we gonna we gonna do that. We gonna get back on that, right? Yeah, yeah. We we need to. We need to. You wanna know what's All funny right, is is we get into conversations like this, and and I know there. I saw the list of all the questions, all that. You know. Once you start talking, the conversation just, you know, takes its own, its own life yeah. and just grows and flows the way it wants to go. And it you did. Know? And it did. Yeah. All right. We appreciate everybody for checking out Black and Blue Live today. My name is Dale. That's my man, Ben. We'll see you next time. We out. Peace. Peace.